Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Hello, Susan. Is this you? Let's go to this other 845 number. Hi, can you hear me? Is this one you, Susan? Yes, yes there you are. Here. All right, yay. Yeah, you must have a different phone number. <laughs> well, my, my phone I'm calling in from a uh, office phone at Omega, and I couldn't even email oh, okay, because there's a couple 845 numbers on here. So, but, I, I good. Gonna okay, I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> How are you this, today, Rebecca? What you been up to? Oh, I'm doing good. I've just been uh, making lots of stuff with oils in my my kitchen today. So, <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just uh, strained some tallow, 
with Hypericum in it and um, made some face cream and stuff like that. So. Yes, I'm so glad that people have been taking me up on my challenge to start using animal fats again with their herbs. Because once you start doing that, it makes such a big difference in your ointments. Yeah, yeah. I keep it by my bed and just like I use it so much right before I go to bed. Like if I have anything itchy or like, you know, dry spots and it's so it, I, by the morning, you know, everything is, it, it, it feels, you know, it, it's so soothing. It works overnight like a, a charm. So, yeah. Because you put it in a tallow rather than an olive oil. Yeah, and the tallow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like the medicine, it, it goes deep and uh, works quickly. The aunties in Australia, the, the women who do women's business, as they call it, say that the animal fats move deep into the tissue and go to the bone, and the vegetable oils float to the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. Yeah, they were passing yeah. around an ointment they had made, and it was eucalyptus ointment. And I got to class late, what else knew? And uh, so I kind of, you know, came into the back. We were outside in a big circle. And uh, so it wasn't disruptive. And somebody passed me the ointment and I said, what is this? And she said, it's, it's eucalyptus ointment. They make it by pounding the eucalyptus leaves. And I looked at her and I said, no, they don't. Because my cell phone is not working here. 
Okay. So it is what it is. Let me also introduce okay. who will be showing up in about an hour and a half at 9 o'clock my time. And our guest tonight is Christina Trujillo. And she is an alchemistrix. She runs Phoenix House. And she is somebody who has done a lot, including a lifetime of experience in culinary arts, studies of Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, and folklore. She has a very individual style, and we will learn more about what's up with Christina at 9 o'clock. Sounds good. We have uh, people on the line waiting with questions tonight. And I'll remind the callers to press if you have a question. Are you ready to take the first caller, Susan? I am. Okay, cool. Let's do it. The first caller is coming from the 603 area code. Good evening, Susan. How are you tonight? I am doing splendidly. How are you? I'm I'm doing well, but I'm I've got questions for you. I remember last week you mentioned something about you harvested so many things for your salad, and I have questions about that because I'm having a hard time. I would like to know at this time of year they have grown so much. I'm not sure which ones are available. Um, which plants you can still eat in a salad with oil and which ones you need to cook. Could you um, review some of the things that you um, are harvesting at this time of year um, for salad and which ones you need to cook? Because they've grown a lot tougher and I'm not sure. So can you, can, can you tell me what plants you're talking about? That would help me. Okay. Um, well, let's see, from the top of my head, well, for example, um, the wild lettuce is really, really tall now, and I've just been picking the tippy-tippy tops. They're very tender. I don't know if I can still harvest the rest of the lettuce plant in any way, like to cook it. Um, I, um, another one is plantain. The leaves have grown really large and tough, and it even I'm sorry. has small what was that? seed pods. The first one was lettuce, and what's the second one? Plantain. Plantain, got it. Okay, because now it has, like, um, long seed pods. They're very, so I don't know about that one. Let's see, what else? What did I used to cut? What did I, in the spring? Oh, well, in the spring, of course, I would... Um, uh, in salads, I would do uh, violet leaves. Don't know what now to do. Um, violet leaves. Let's see, what else did I do? Um, the purslane is just coming around for me, so I think that's okay. Um, I don't know. I'm looking for any other suggestions. Like, I'm not sure which part I can eat of the um, of the Queen Anne's lace. I'm not sure, because a lot of these flowers, I, I know about edible flowers, but I'm not sure about 
the leaves, oh, it's in Queen's Ancelace, Queen Anne's Lace Blossom um, Edible. And what about the leaves? Um, you said that you harvested, like, I can't remember the number you said for salads last week, and I, I, was, I was in awe. <laughs> okay. Uh, that really helps me a lot. Thank you so much. There are, there are literally dozens of species of wild lettuce. And lettuce, even the lettuce that you grow in your garden, gets very bitter when it flowers, yes? Yes. So if you were growing lettuce in your garden and you had a head of lettuce and that head of lettuce opened up and sent up a flower stalk, you probably wouldn't eat it then, not because it would hurt you in any way, but because it's going to taste bitter. All lettuces produce substances that are very close to opium alkaloids as they mature. In fact, wild lettuce was used as a source of pain-killing properties by Native people because it has these opium-like qualities. So while it's not unsafe to eat, it's not tasty. And that's going to vary a lot from species to species. It sounds like you have a species that's more edible than most if you're still able to eat any of it. So are you able to eat the lettuce? I don't mind so much if it tastes bad. I can zip, zip it up with a tasty homemade salad dressing um, with oil and, you know, zip it up. But because I do have, both my husband and I have a lot of uh, pain issues. So I'm wondering if, um, you know, do I need to, cook the lettuce even though it's bitter or can I, you know, um, or would just massaging it in oil um, be a way of cooking it? Um, would that help? The native, help people, the, native people, the native people, when they used it as a pain reliever, cut, scored or cut the stalk up and down to allow the white sap to ooze out. They collected okay. that white sap which you roll between your fingers, and it looks really looks like opium, and it smells like opium. And that was then dissolved in hot water and given to people, usually people who were in terminal pain. The same way oh. that you would use morphine nowadays, right? Oh. Opium. Oh, okay. Okay? Okay. So any situation right. in which you would use opium or morphine, it would be appropriate to use the sap of wild lettuce. All right. You All right. Well, I'm not on my deathbed. I we just we ate. Uh, we had two big heads of romaine and a whole bunch of other lettuce, and we cooked. We cut up the romaine and cooked it, sautéed it in some oil until it was wilted, and then add a little water and tamari, and cooked it for about an hour, and it was delicious. I eat cooked lettuce frequently. Okay. Okay. Again, my understanding is that when a plant is bitter, that is a signal to me that I should not eat it. Now, there's, not a, eat it? There, there's a range of bitters. You know, endive is a little bitter. Dandelion can be bitter. But the bitter of most wild lettuces is the kind of bitter that makes you want to choke and spit. Okay. Okay. So you'll have to decide for yourself. Let me let me just make a blanket statement. I can't think of any plant that's edible when it's young that becomes poisonous when it gets old. Okay, that's helpful. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like these plants are suddenly changing their character and they were edible when they're young and now they're going to poison you. That's not going to happen. So even with the lettuces, Susan, it wouldn't be harmful if I ate some lettuce that still had the milk that has the milk in it. Because when you eat lettuce from, you know, young lettuce, it doesn't have the milk. At least I don't, I don't see that. But when it gets, so, um, so it's not going to what harm. What do you mean harmful? Well, I just want to make sure there's nothing in there. What do you mean harmful? We've just established that no plant is going to poison you. Yes, We've also yes. established okay. that lettuce contains opium-like alkaloids. And it would be appropriate to use it in any time that you would use morphine. Right, in order to just use the sap as morphine. But what about, if, what about the lettuce what, itself? You will have to make that decision therapy. on your own. Oh. When I go okay. to the plant with a group of people, I have them find an individual plantain plant and to sit by it and then to reach their hand out to the plantain and to feel around. And usually they can find a young, soft leaf at any time of the plantain because it continues to grow leaves from the inner aspect, even when it's flowering and seeding. And those are the ones that I use in salad. Yeah, I'm in a plantain patch right now, and I can't seem to. Are, are they usually on the outside? I can't seem to find any young ones. Oh wait a minute, it's just one little. Have you, clo- have you closed? Have you closed your eyes as I just instructed? You want me to? I'm sorry. Some of some of what you're yes, saying bleeps out. So- I want you to sit in front of one plantain plant and close your eyes, and then reach out and feel. The plantain plant until you can feel a tender leaf. Oh, okay. I didn't, I missed that part. Thank you. The plantain continues to grow new tender leaves even when it is flowering. And those are the ones that I choose for salad because the other ones are too tough. Mm-hmm. And you can't even cook the tough ones? Like sure, you could cook other. strapping tape. You could cook strapping tape too, and you'd have cooked strapping tape, <laughs> and it would be more edible than cooked plantain leaf. Mm. <laughs> Those fibers that run parallel in that leaf are not going to soften when you cook it, and that's why I okay. compare it to strapping tape. Yes. Okay. Got it. It, it, it it's not. Um, Something that it, it, it will yield you enough of a pleasant enough food to do more than once. Go ahead and do it once. Mm-hmm. See what mm-hmm. you think. Again, mm-hmm. I'm wondering who has squelched your curiosity so thoroughly. And I, has- apologize, I apologize that that has been done to you, that you do not have the curiosity to just try it. If you're already eating the plantain leaf, why not chop some up and cook it and see what happens? What do you have to lose? It's just it's just the time what issue that's have, all. What do you but have to lose if you experiment? Nothing. Just do just, it. Just lose time. Do it. I just lose then time. Do that's it. it. Take that time. Yep. You're taking time. You're taking time. You're talking to me. 
<laughs> first-hand information is always better. Okay. First-hand information and call up and say, I cook plantain, and it was like strapping tape. Well, I'll never do that again. Or whatever mm-hmm. you want. But there's nothing to stop you from experimenting with these plants, is there? Just my 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 pain, and so that's why time is limited. I can only be upright for so long. So, cooking at this kitchen, I mean, I'm just trying to do things. I'm not suggesting that you that you do a lot of upright. You can crawl on the ground to harvest plants. You can get a little two burner electric plate and put it on the floor and and lay on the floor and cook. Susan, can you do any? I I, I hear you. What can you do anything with these? Um, the the seed pods. So the violet, the violet leaf. I prefer to eat the violet leaf during the summertime. I don't like to harvest it in the spring because I feel that it takes away from the plant. And I prefer to eat the violet flowers in the spring. And I usually start eating violet leaves along about now. I do cut them up because they're big, but I don't find them very tough. All parts of Queen Anne's are edible, the root, the leaves, and the flowers. I would do the roots in salad, but I certainly put the leaves and the flowers in salad. The root is not edible once the plant is flowering. It's a biennial plant. It takes two years to grow. The root is only edible from the first-year plant, part that only has leaves and flowers. Even the seeds of wild carrot are edible, and they're the equivalent of caraway seed or cumin seed. We use the seeds in food. Purslane, you're absolutely right. Purslane generally doesn't sprout until July. And so that nice young purslane out there, James Duke, uh, says that purslane um, is one of green plants with a giant amount of omega-3 fatty acids in it. And so he recommended it for people who are feeling depressed. Plants that you didn't mention that we are also putting in our salads would include lamb's quarter and the lamb's quarter. Oh my gosh, I can't even hear you. Can, Rebecca, okay, can, can I you talk, hear me? If I'm talking louder, can you hear me now? That's, oh yes, that's better. Thank okay, you. Okay, I'll talk loud. Sorry. I was talking in a normal voice. I, I, I'm really talking, almost screaming now, but that's okay. I don't mind. Lamb's oh my quarter. Goodness. Lamb's Quarter is an excellent addition to your salads. And we eat the leaves, the flower buds, the flowers, and the seeds, although I generally harvest the seeds and use them um, later on in the wintertime. We are also harvesting and eating daisies. You know the plant I'm talking about, daisy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, they, they grow everywhere. Daisy, yes, daisy flowers are wonderful in salads, as are the leaves. Yes, I've I, had them um, when they were younger, and I and I will continue. I forgot to mention that. Good, wonderful. I'm looking out the window at a big bank of daylilies. Yes. And daylilies, the flowers of daylilies are edible. The bottom of the leaf stalk of daylily is edible, and the root of daylily is edible. It is somewhat laxative, so it's best not to eat too much. We yeah. usually we usually do not put more than one flower per person in the salad. Okay. 
right next to the daylilies, as I look out the window, is a beautiful array of red bee balm. Oh, yes, I have that, and I've been doing that, and I just, when I'm working, when I'm trying to work in the garden, I just nibble on that. It's so sweet. The red one is so sweet. Isn't that just wonderful? And we love those flowers as well as the leaves in our salad. Yeah, I didn't know about the leaves, so thank you for that. The leaves as well. Okay. It's a mint. All mints are edible. Okay. So any other mint we put into our salads, we have a nice uh, uh, field with a wild field mint in it, and we put that in our salads. We have wild oregano. We put that in our salads. We have lemon balm, which is kind of escaped from cultivation and growing wild. We put that in our salads. We have shiso, perilla frutisans, and we put that in our salads. These are all mint plants, right? They're in the mint family. Oh, shiso is also a mint? Yes. Didn't know? Okay. Wonderful. So we put a lot of shiso in our salads along about now. We put sheep sorrel and wood sorrel in our salads. Of course. Okay. What about the day flower? Are the flowers are edible. What about the leaves? The base of the leaf is edible. Base of the leaf. Base of leaf. Okay. So, you so, it, so at, this po- at this point, we have gone over 13 salad plants. Last week, oh, I, I don't even remember. You, you said a number, and I'm sorry, I don't recall. I'm wondering if 13 is enough for you. Oh, certainly, certainly. I thank you so much, Susan. You're and, welcome. Uh, green blessings. Good night. Good night. Good green blessings to you too. The next caller is coming from the 903 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Thank you for taking my call this evening. You're welcome. Um, My question is um, about a toenail fungus. Okay. And I've had uh, it on my big toe for um, probably about a decade, and I haven't been able to resolve it, and I wondered um, if you had any suggestions. What has not worked? Um, well, when it first happened, um, I didn't really know about herbs, so I went the uh, Western medical route and took all kinds of ointments and tablets, and it didn't work. Um, then when I you did. Say, when, excuse me. When you say you took an ointment, on a I un- applied. I applied an okay. ointment, and okay. I... Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure. I was envisioning you spooning ointment into your mouth. <laughs> you are so correct. You are so correct. I applied so ointment what, what, to the... What kind, of, what kind of ointment did you put on it? Um, I don't remember because it's a long time ago now. It was at some kind of topical. I'm guessing it was, you know, some kind of antibiotic-type um, ointment. Um I don't think so. Antibiotics are ineffective against fungal infections. I, I agree. Probably, probably an antifungal. Did you buy it okay. at the drugstore? Okay. Um, Did you buy it at the drugstore? 
No, they gave it to me via prescription. So the doctor gave it to you? Uh, yes, the doctor gave it to me via prescription. Um, I'm unclear what that means. Did the doctor hand you this ointment? Yes, yes. This was an MD? Yes. I'm shocked. That's against yes. the law. Well, uh, well, it was 10 years ago, and it was in a... It's against the law 10 years ago. Okay. Well, they they did. Matter, they gave it to me. Fact, what I say is that if anybody tells you to use something and then sells it to you, run as fast as you can in the other direction. <laughs> I I would completely do that now. I was not as wise back then. Okay. So this doctor gave you some antifungal ointment. You don't exactly know what it was, and gave you some pills to take, and you don't know what those were either. Right, exactly. I don't remember what they were called. Um, I had gone several times. First, they gave me they gave me the ointment. Didn't work. I went back. They gave me pills. I was supposed to take those for two months, I think. I went back. They didn't work. Um, then they they drilled a hole in the nail and applied something to it. I don't remember what they did, but some kind of solution that they poured in through this hole in the nail. Um, that didn't work. They then suggested that they take the entire toenail off and um, scrape it and do other things. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, and about a month after that, the toenail fell off. Anyway, so did it grow, did it grow back? It did. It did. And and so I doctored it myself with what I knew at the time. So I used like um, Epsom salt water baths and, and gentle soap and I cleaned it and the toenail grew back. But it grew back with the fungus again. So um, then I tried, um, I think it was garlic. I tried a poultice of garlic and that didn't work. Did that um, injure you? It didn't. It, I don't think it injured me. I, I don't think it injured me. Um, okay. Because raw garlic can burn the skin. Yeah, I I had it just on the nail, and I would redo it, like, you know, quite frequently, so it never actually burned the skin around it. Um, nice. Very nice. Well done. Yes. Thank you. So... Then I think I did some kind of apple cider vinegar concoction that I saw somewhere. And and in, in between all these years, you know, life is happening, and every so often the toenail just comes off. And every time it comes off, I'm like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm going to do something again, and it's going to be better. And it gets, like, a little bit better. The last thing I tried a year ago was um, colloidal silver. And... I put it on a cotton ball and applied it to the toenail, um, strapped it on every night for months. And um, it has gotten better, but it's, and, and the nail that's grown in this time is much healthier than any of the other nails that have grown in. Of course, I've also been on herbal infusions from you for a year, so I'm sure that's helpful. But I still, the last part of of the, like the last quarter of my toe to grow it out properly, it still has black fungus under it. 
Can you tell me what the problem with the problem is? Does it itch? Does it burn? Does it make it impossible for you to walk? Does it keep you up at night? No. No, I guess the problem is that a a um I have been told by several people that it could get into my blood and poison my blood. Fear is such a wonderful emotion, isn't it? Yes, yes it is. <laughs> people so I'm actually, just like, oh, people actually pay to go to movies and the theater to be frightened. I know, I not me. I, I'm so not that person. <laughs> so not the well, person. Yes, you, but yes, you are. You just bought this story. Did you do any research about it? Um, I have, but I can't seem to come up with any. Even with all the stuff I find on the internet, most of it's either either That's really right. weird, scary stuff. You can't because it's totally absurd. Okay. Okay. I don't understand why you would choose to believe this. Except that you'd like to be frightened. No, I guess I just see it as as damage, and I'm trying to to take care of my body and not be damaged. I guess. I do not think that that a fungal infection is damage. Any okay. more than a freckle, any more than a freckle is damage. Okay. We are not meant to look like an airbrushed model in a slick magazine. There, my daughter, as you know, Justine runs a bed and breakfast and a very large, very well-known magazine rented some rooms for her for the photographer and the makeup artist and the hairdo artist and the model because they were doing a photo shoot at the Saugerties Lighthouse. Well, they got that model up at 5 o'clock in the morning and she was not allowed to eat because if she ate, she would be bloated for the photo shoot. Yes. They worked on her hair and her face and her dress for three hours and at eight o'clock in the morning they took her in a summer outfit on a winter day out to the lighthouse to be photographed Uh this is what you're trying to replicate okay yeah you just you just highlighted that i am still stuck in that place yes okay 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 i understand And I certainly would understand if this was painful or irritating or disfiguring or any problem at all. But so far, I haven't heard any of that from you. No, I mean, it's not a normal nail. It it doesn't grow normally. So, um, you know, every every couple of years, it'll end up popping off. And when it pops off, it hurts. What is normal? Hmm? What is normal? Well, I mean, it it doesn't look like the other one. Like it doesn't it doesn't lay flat because of the fungus uh-huh. on the end. So uh-huh. it doesn't lay flat, and and so you have a distinguishing mark. Yes, true. Look at all the people who are paying to get t- tattoos. So they have a distinguishing mark. <laughs> I just show off my toenail. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I love it. Paying to be disfigured, and you just got it for free. 
Right? It's true. And I've got a great story that goes with it. So, you know, you're right. What am I complaining about? <laughs> I love it. Okay. 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 So I, I I don't need to be medically concerned, and I can stop fussing about this poor toenail. I think I, I think you can. Okay. All right. I think you're going to be okay. I, I have never heard of anybody dying from toenail fungus. I have heard okay. people die taking the remedy that doctors prescribe from toenail fungus that causes liver failure that does happen yes gotcha gotcha i'm i'm good okay thank you thank you so very much (laughs) it's wonderful thank you good night green blessing the next caller is coming from a private number hello hi Hello. Hello, Susan. Um, Susan, I have a question regarding Linden. Hello. Our favorite plant of the week. Yes. <laughs> so I love Linden, and I'm doing the infusions for quite a while. Except that I came across, um, I was reading John Lust's The Herb Book, and there is a line in it. Uh, pertaining to linden, and it says that overuse causes um, heart trouble. Is that true? Heart are damage. You, are you drinking only linden infusion? No, but I I do rotate it are with the other other one. Infusion every day. No. Are you drinking once every more, five days? Are you drinking more than three quarts of linden a week? No. I could not in any way call that overuse. Okay. Okay, because he says in that book that it is not to be used for long periods. So I just wondered what that was. And I, I looked up other um, other places, and it didn't seem to say the same. In fact, it said that it helps the heart. So I just wanted to run it by you. And when was John Lust's book written? A long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. We, I used think to, we used to call him Uncle John because he was so nervous about herbs. Yeah, the, I I kind of feel that when I'm reading his book, but it was one of the ones you recommended. Could you also recommend a few others? I think it's good? A, I think it's an excellent book. It is, half. it is. Not to I knock the book, yes. I think in the second half of that book at all. What You have a, an herb index in there? From the herb index on, I suggest that people just tear that last part of the book right out. Okay. Right, I wouldn't use that at all. And, again, you have to kind of get, like, the feel of the author. One of the reasons I like the herb book is it has over 500 different plants in it. Mm-hmm. It does. It's a really thorough, and it has plants that you're not going to find in other books, but you have to take into consideration that John was nervous about plants. I mean, you'll, you'll, you'll read along and they'll say, don't use this except under the supervision of an MD, and we're all laughing at him. Uh, no, supervise this? What are you writing this for? Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay, you know. I like Nutrition News Newsletter, but they are totally anti-salt, and they think that all milk should be fat-free, and I completely disagree with them. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't read Nutrition News Newsletter. It's one of the best newsletters on nutrition out there. I just mm-hmm. take into consideration that they're 
have these, what I was taught to call hobby horses, that they have a hobby horse about salt and a hobby horse about fat and milk. Yeah. Everybody has their hobby horses, you know, and and you have to decide, are you going to hold out for the perfect person who has no flaws? Or are you going to, like, go along with life and be willing to deal with flaws? We all have them. Yeah. And so that is true. It's just that I think that someone right? of, of, of I've your... Talking, I've been talking about Dr. Duke, Dr. James Duke, and he has written a huge number of books. A really good starting one from him is The Green Pharmacy. Okay. James Duke, D-U-K-E? D-U-K-E, Dr. Jim Duke. The Green Pharmacy? Green Pharmacy. Okay. Okay, so um, no worries, right? Because I drink about a quart of Linden every week, so. No worries of any kind. Yeah, and I actually especially love it because it's, and then I was kind of crestfallen and I said, oh, and immediately what came to my mind was that um, I just want to concur with what you said, that you're very, um, you're very definite and sure and, and, you know, and, and I mean, with all due respect to John Lust, he does seem a bit on the, hesitant side with, with a lot of some, well, you know, so. I've had, I've had more experience with herbs than he had when he wrote that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really appreciate that that John wrote that book. Yes, as, as do I. It was out at a time when there was precious little else out there. Mm-hmm. That's, that is true. And, you know, he was a big believer in juicing. And I, I, mean, I know. I, again, that's why I say just forget the back half of the book totally, right? I also mm-hmm. like a lot Native American Indian Herbology by Alma Hutchins. Yes. So I, I got that one, yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really superb book. And, again, it deals with plants that you won't necessarily find in other books. And, Do you have um, Julia de Berkeley Levy's Common Herbs for Natural Health? Yeah, I do want to get her books. It's just, um, I do think she's phenomenal. Well, mm-hmm. I know she's a mentor. And, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that um, she kind of is like you, right? Very, very close to Mother Earth. And I think a lot of the times that it's sort of like a, reciprocal relationship with the plants talking and, and guiding you, you know, so I love that kind of approach. Um, I just have uh, one question. I, I, it's a, well, I'll just sort of just say it briefly. I was, I just recently had a yeast infection. It just kind of came out of nowhere, but I also had like low grade fever, close to a hundred degrees um, Fahrenheit and um, chills, but the doctor, you know, well, I didn't take his advice anyways, so I just, I just, um, I just used some yogurt and put it in the area. Now, is that okay to continue for a while, or is there any other suggestions? I know, I know that I, I have used your um, other suggestions in the past of uva ursi and yarrow, um, however, this being a yeast infection, is there anything else I could possibly do? I don't think do? that I've ever recommended Uva Ursi or Yarrow 
to deal with the yeast infection. Those are herbs that oh, deal with Oh, never for the yeast, for the UTI, Susan. You've never recommended those for a, a yeast infection. I right. mean, I've used them for a UTI in the past. Um, yes. I'm just asking so what else did I do. You're talking about a yeast infection now, right? Yeah. It was very, okay. sorry for the description, but it was very cottage cheese-like, so I kind of uh-huh. self-diagnosed it. But I had fever and chills, which is odd. It may have been connected and it may not. Again, mm-hmm. that's, that's candida, which lives in a healthy vagina. Mm-hmm. In order for the vagina to be healthy, there has to be candida in the vagina because mm-hmm. it helps to control other organisms that are that live in the vagina. Mm-hmm. And what can change that and allow the candida to overgrow and become a yeast injection, become cottage cheese-like, is a change in the pH mm. of the vagina. Now, the, that change in the pH most ordinarily comes from exposure to sperm mm-hmm. or exposure to a spermicide on a condom mm-hmm. or exposure to something in your bath water like an essential oil mm-hmm. or if you change laundry detergent, or if you suddenly start eating a lot of raw fruit. Mm-hmm. Well, none of those happened, except I, I did um, stop using yogurt for about five days, and normally I eat a lot of yogurt. So if that could have done it, perhaps that did it. It's certainly possible. Uh, of course, you know, it's not exhaustive. There is an exhaustive list and down there uh, the, that can change. The vaginal pH, stress and, and upset, of course, can also do it. Um, mm-hmm. And a list of things. It's one of the reasons that apple cider vinegar is sometimes suggested because it's acidic. Mm-hmm. And yeast has a very difficult time living in the presence of acid. It's the acids in the yogurt that seem to be working as well. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, many women find that putting yogurt in the vagina is very helpful. For mm-hmm. women who don't find that helpful, the next stronger step is an oak bark sits bath. Okay. And most of the time when herbalists are talking about bark, we don't mean bark at all. We mean the inner bark. But with oak bark, we really mean the bark. You can really go to somebody's wood pile and just take a hunk of bark off an oak log and boil that up. It's very tannic. Right? Mm-hmm. It will stain whatever you boil it in. It will stain whatever you, you put it in your bathtub. Your bathtub will be permanently stained. Oh. Okay. Okay. You're going to mm-hmm. get some staining on your thighs and your buttocks and your nether regions there from sitting in the oak bark, but that will go away. Right? Mm-hmm. The bathtub can't do itself, so it's just going to remain ground up by the tannins. So I usually suggest that people get a little tub that they can sit in, like a little dish tub. Okay. Or like one of those sits baths that you get. Hey, that's great too. Yeah, well, it's plastic, but okay, it'll do for the purpose. So oak bark boiled and yep. put it in the... In the tub and sits in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay? Not only will that change the pH, but it is also antifungal and antibacterial. Okay. And if it's hard to get oak bark, the inner oak bark, then I should just continue with the yogurt? I'm sorry. I wasn't clear. It's not the inner bark. Oh, sorry. Most yeah, I thought it's the inner bark. Okay, so just bark, the ex- They mean the inner bark, not when we're talking about oak. It is the bark of the oak that you can go to a wood pile and take a piece of bark from the wood pile. Okay. Do you know anybody who has firewood? Um, not really. Okay. You, oak bark is an item of commerce, and you can buy it. Okay. I'll try my best. It is a standard herbal remedy. And mm-hmm. it is sold by all places that sell herbs. Okay, then I, I, I can, I'm sure I can procure it. There's, there's, there need not be no, you know, worry in that department. Until that time, though, I can just continue with uh, the yogurt applications and internally ingesting the yogurt, right? I think that's a, I think that's good, good solution. Because yeah. I was thinking of juniper, but that's again antibacterial. So I that's, think the, again, that's bladder infection. That's right. Yeah, we're just dealing with yeast here, so overgrowth of yeast. Right. Okay. Well, thank uh, you ever so much, as always, Susan. Green blessings. Thanks for your call. Yeah. Likewise. Take care. Thank you so much. God bless. The next caller is coming from the five zero three area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. Hello. I was hoping you could give me some guidance on some GI issues that I have going on, specifically um, my gallbladder. I have been experiencing this new symptom over the last couple of months of burning right underneath my right rib cage. And I have, um, I have a history of ulcers in my throat and gastritis um, that has been somewhat linked to H. pylori. Um, but I know there's a lot of controversy over that, so we don't have to get into that. But the new symptom, after I'd cleared H. pylori, got rid of the ulcers, I had come off of a PPI, or the acid suppressor, and I had a major rebound. And I started adding a lot of fat back into my diet, and it started to trigger this on-and-off chronic burning, again, under the right ribs. And time goes on, I asked my gastro for ultrasound. He said, just go back up on the PPI and see if it resolves. So I added the PPI back in, um, half dose, and then another acid suppressor. Didn't quite work, and I'm still getting burning. So I asked a different doctor, finally got an ultrasound, and I have small stones and sludge. And any time I eat fat, I get acid reflux, even on um, PPIs or histamine blockers. And one last little thing is I have an oral allergy symptom that makes me overproduce histamine to a lot of my foods, specifically ragweed like banana and melons and chamomile. So I have this kind of complex situation going on that... Okay, but wait, 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 but you just left me in the dust. Sorry, I don't know. It's like... How do melons relate to ragweed? Well, they're, I guess they have similar proteins. This is what my allergist immunologist just informed me. And when you eat them, my body 
Um, you eat ragweed? Well, no. We're right now in Oregon. The weed pollens are really strong, so when I'm inhaling them, they trigger my allergies. And then nettle has definitely helped. I'm doing nettle infusions, but um, I was eating like three bananas a day, and I guess bananas have very similar proteins to ragweed. It's like you this grow, cross. You, you you grow bananas. I don't grow bananas, but I why? eat a lot of them. I don't understand why you're eating them if you don't grow them. Your yeah, that's actually grows, a good question. Your neighbor grows bananas. No, my um my local I health food store imports them. They can pick them off a tree. I wish I could. I lived in Kauai and I could, and that was very I was very blessed then. But you're not but living there now. Banana is banana is totally confusing your body. Really? Do you think because it's imported? Do you live where bananas grow? I don't. You know, I'm, I mentioned this earlier. Maybe my body, body just... You are telling your body by eating the banana that you live where bananas grow. Oh, but the rest of my GI just loves them. And so does the my kidneys for the potassium and skin. <laughs> Banana is actually quite low in potassium. I, d- I get cramps if I don't consume enough of them, but... I understand, but banana yeah. is not a good source of potassium. You're only drinking nettle infusion? I am, yep. I react to so much because of my tummy, and I just, I do really well with nettle. I've made great friends with it, and I don't feel right without it because I have low iron. Um, and again, I only have one kidney, so my mineral and is a little off, but, so I feel off without nettle. Is it okay to drink it every day? It's okay, but you're missing out. There's a reason that there's five herbs in the rotation. Mm-hmm. Because they each do something for you. And by only using one of them, you're missing out. Can you eat oatmeal? As long as it's gluten-free. I do. Then, I eat oatmeal every day with slippery elms. Then you should be able to drink oat straw infusion. Okay. There's less gluten in oat straw than there is in oatmeal because it's just the grass. But you have to get oat straw, not green flowering oat tops. All right. I'm writing this down. Yeah. An oat straw infusion can really help your nervous system. Mm, I could use that, that's for sure. Yes. Because mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a bounce back that's going back and forth between the histamine and the, your nervous system. Mm-hmm. And little histamine is produced and your nervous system gets all upset and says more, more, more. Yeah. I, it's, it's a battle right now. And I'm on a histamine blocker to protect so my throat. By, so by using the oat straw, you're going to strengthen the nervous system. So when little histamine is produced, the nervous system is not going to freak out. Oh, Great. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Comfrey leaf is also an excellent infusion for anyone who has breathing issues, skin issues, allergen issues. Okay. Comfrey leaf strengthens the respiratory tissues, especially the mucous surface of the respiratory tissues and it strengthens the lining of the GI tract, making both the respiratory tissues and the digestive tissues 
able to deal with a much larger variety of things. Great. So it, it, it strengthens and heals the mucosa. Exactly. Great. And it sounds to me like that, that would be ideal for you. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of uh, things like for for soothing it, like um, slippery elm throughout the day, and then uh, licorice or DGL helps. Wonderful. Marshmallow root infusion. Mm-hmm. So full ounce of marshmallow root in a quart of water steeped overnight is another incredible healer. To the GI tract. You said four ounces? One. One, okay, yeah. To a quart of water. Mm-hmm. Just like you make all infusions, right? That's how you're making yeah, your yeah. nettles? Mm-hmm. Weighing out one ounce of nettle? Yeah. Yeah. So the same thing with the marshmallow root. Mm-hmm. And can I mix these during the day, like take them at different times? Or just do one a day? I just do one a day. I don't see any particular reason to mix them. Okay. If you mix them and you have a reaction, you won't know what you're reacting to. Yeah. My naturopathic gave me something. Have you heard of stone breaker? It's a combo of three herbs by Herb Farm to break up gallbladder. And so you're taking that? I tried it and I reacted. It gave me, it made the burning 10 times worse. So I'm I'm wondering if it could be inflammation or ulcer underneath where the gallbladder is rather than just the gallbladder pain or rather than – because I'm not having pain. I'm just having burning. Hard, hard for me to say. And do you know what was in the remedy? Um, I know – no, I don't on the top of my head. Mm-hmm. One of the herbs is called Stowbreaker, and then Hydrangea, I believe, was one. Mm-hmm. And then there was a third one that just isn't coming to mind. Oh, uh, Celery Seed. Interesting. Yeah, and she uses it for people with gallstones, but I had a horrible pain given last what night. You're, given what you're saying, I would never have you take Celery Seed. Celery I, Seed is so closely related to chamomile. Much more so than melon is. Mm, that's probably why it caused him so much burning. I bet mm-hmm. you was having, yeah, it was bad. I was like. Yeah, yeah. For you, celery seed is no go. Okay. I don't do well with I, even raw I, celery. I'm going to guess that you're not really happy with any food that's seasoned with cumin seed or caraway seed either. Nope. Nope. My, yeah, no. Honestly, the only seasoning I can use right now is ginger, turmeric, and some light salt, and occasionally black seed. My, my body really well, likes you're, black you seed. Got, you're a stronger woman than I am. I find ginger very upsetting. Do you? I sure do. Too heating? Way too heating. See, my tummy doesn't... But then again, but then again I have no, very, virtually no stimulants of any kind in my diet. I don't either. I can't so either. Ginger is like way over the top for me. Mm. See, I notice if I do too much, I, I will get it increases the burning. the The catch twenty two is my stomach being on these acid suppressors doesn't empty, and so that will also doesn't empty 
quickly, so it also increases acid reflux. So I noticed if I put ginger in, it gets things going, but it does increase the burn a little bit if I do too much, yeah. Yeah. And then as for gallbladder, is there any... One of the things that I'm wondering is if you had a vision of where you would like to be and how you would like to feel a year from now. Oh, God, yeah. I've been visualizing it. I do a lot of meditation and visualization and bringing in that healing light. And I want to be free and I want to be able to eat. I love eating fat and I can't eat any fat right now. Mm-hmm. Minimum, minimal, minimal amounts. I want to just well, not have I, to I'm worry. Un, I'm unclear as to why it's healing light. There's a, uh, a shaman in South America who said uh, white people will have conquered the globe when in, when there is no more dark. Mm-hmm. I would rather have the deep and nourishing dark than a healing light, especially for something that is irritated, allergic, mm. hot, and burning. I don't want light there any more than I want ginger there. Mm. I, I haven't thought of it in that way. I sit on the and, beach. I, you know, people say to me, I envision the planet covered in light. I think, really? The only way to have a planet covered in light is nuclear war. Yeah. Well, ironic. Today is the first day of rain, and I am just loving this darkness and sitting inside and cooking soup. I've missed it. (laughs) So I think it's time to change your meditation and evoke the deep and nourishing dark. Mm Mm-hmm. I could, yeah. Yeah. There's some darkness that needs to be confronted in there, so... I'm not talking about confronting anything. I am talking about the healing power of the dark. Are we? Do we need to have a discussion about racism here? No. <laughs> no. Well, you're trying to purge the black here, huh? Yeah. You're acting like the dark is something to be gotten rid of. And that's awfully difficult for people who are born with dark skins to constantly have this idea circulating that somehow the dark, it needs to be confronted and gotten rid of. It doesn't. It is part of us, and it is an important part of us. It is a healing part of us. It is a nourishing part of us. The Mm. deep and nourishing dark is what I am suggesting that you call forth in your meditation not to confront, not to get rid of, but to embrace Mm, I like that. So I do a lot of therapy and somatic therapy, and it's all about confronting the dark times and the traumas. And I never really thought of it in that way of embracing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whole, wholeness comes from embracing all parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Not choosing which parts we want and trashing the others. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. Yeah. And, and of course, also as a woman, I've also suffered because I've been called dark, too, haven't I, as a woman? Mm -hmm. Women represent the dark evil, don't they? And so it's as a feminist and as a woman that I have come to appreciate the dark and to reclaim the dark as deep and nourishing. It is the inside of my body from which life is born. Yes, very true. 
And perhaps bringing that deep and nourishing dark will bring an ease to these troubled areas. Let me ask you this. Do you have a hiatal hernia? We've talked about it before. Um, I do, but I haven't experienced it in a long time since I've been doing certain exercises. So as long as I don't overeat, it it Uh stays down. Um, But I do have something, a connective tissue syndrome, that makes my sphincter lax. So it's kind of this thing that my sphincters aren't closing properly due to maybe this syndrome, maybe inflammation. I don't know. I'm, again, visualizing that turning back on. So... I, I'm trying to accept that I might have to be on these acid suppressors, um, which is really hard for me because I don't want to take medicine if I don't have to. So, and I want to be able to, I, I can't eat animal food without getting really bad rebound because my body isn't breaking it down properly. And I crave things like butter and yogurt, and it's just not working for me right now. So I'm trying to figure out. How can I nourish all these areas to come back to life so I can get to that place where I can eat like that again and nourish one myself of, like one that again? One of the techniques that I learned in Switzerland for people who are having a hard time eating foods is that you take the food and you rub it on the skin. Mm, okay. And the skin then teaches the rest of the body how to accept it. That makes sense with me because, I mean, from smelling things and touching it, I can get some kind of skin reaction. Because exactly. it's me. Yeah. Exactly. If somebody, mm-hmm. you know, comes to the Wise Women's Center, they say, well, I'm allergic to this, I'm allergic to this. And I say, try this food, but try it by putting some on your plate and put your finger in it before you put it in your mouth. Mm-hmm. And that, so will be enough. that will be enough for you to know whether or not you can safely put it in your mouth. And butter and yogurt, of course, would be just delightful that way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I, 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 I was making I also, raw goat kefir, raw goat milk kefir, and mm-hmm. I love it, but unfortunately, it I was getting horrible reflux in my throat for so long, so I stopped mm-hmm. for now. I put that on hold. But The other thing that I usually recommend to people when they're having difficulty with the food that they really want to eat is that you eat very, very small amounts of it first. After you've been putting it on your skin for a while, then dip your finger in it and suck your finger. No more than that. Mm. Okay. Really take baby steps with your body. And Mm -hmm. as soon as you get to a point where it's starting to say no, (coughs) back off. Go back to where it was okay. And then as for, is there anything for that I could do for the gallbladder region? Is there any herbs that you use to nourish it? The herbs that are considered liver active are also gallbladder active. The gallbladder is just a storage organ. Yeah. In, it, in, uh, in and of itself, it does. it's just a little sac that bile is stored in. Mm-hmm. And bile is produced by the liver. Mm-hmm. So the gallbladder can get stones in it, it can get gravel in it, it can get sludge in it, and that can swell the gallbladder up. The gallbladder is usually about the size of 
your little finger more or less. Mm-hmm. And once it starts to get sludge and stones and gravel on the it can get big. I've seen gallbladders as big as two thumbs after they've been removed. Mm-hmm. And anytime something's that big in that area, there's gonna be some sensation of discomfort. The real difficulty that arises here is the liver is virtually devoid of nerve endings. Hmm. So you're not ever going to actually feel anything going on in your liver, unless it's really awful. And then again, the liver will be swollen, will be pressing against other things that have nerve endings. You're not actually going to be feeling it directly. So often what is used to help the gallbladder are the same herbs that we would use to help the liver. Dandelion, burdock, yellow dock, milk thistle seed, Mm -hmm. and even stronger bitters like gentian is used quite a lot in Europe. I was using that with skullcap before meals prior to all this digestive stuff. It, it's very bitter, very bitter. It's very bitter. Gentian's pretty bitter. Yeah. How did, that work? How did that work for you? Well, I was doing better than I was now, but I also had ulcers in my throat, and the tincture I was using was alcohol-based, and it just wasn't working. I, uh-huh. So I ended up just putting it in my mouth and tasting it for a while and spitting it out, and it worked that way. But it increases – recently I tried it again, and it did increase the burning on the right side. So I've kind of re- restrained from that. Um, I'm very drawn to dandelion. I love it. I love bitter. I mean, I can, I love it. I'm drawn to it. But dandelion is in that class of ragweed, so I've been hesitant to try it again. And I, that's something I did want to ask you. If you've heard that, could it bring on more allergy? And milk thistle and dandelion rag, both were in those. Ragweed is in the Asteraceae, which is one of the largest plant families in the world. It includes things like lettuce, artichoke, mm-hmm. milk thistle, burdock, mm-hmm. chamomile. It's just enormous. Goldenrod, sunflowers, daisies, asters. I don't want to have to avoid all of <laughs> Yeah. So I don't I, – I, I'm – I do not think that anything in the aster family – is off limits for you. But you're the one in that body, and your knowledge is what really counts, not mine. Yeah. I've been wanting to test dandelion again. That's definitely on my my list. And again, you can test it by putting some on your skin. Okay. At an herbal conference great many years ago, and they pretty much stopped doing this, but they used to have people with problems um, be, consult a panel of herbal experts. I, I always pitied these people because not only did they have problems, and then they had four people telling them four different things to do, which is worse than ever. Mm-hmm. And at this particular conference, the, this woman was wheeled in in a wheelchair, and if there was anything that could be wrong, it was wrong with her. And I do not use the word wrong very often, but Mm -hmm. there was not a single system in her body that was free of a problem. 
And the first herbalist said, well, for your cardiovascular system, I do this. And for your gastrointestinal system, I do this. And for your nerves, I do this. And for, you know, and he's like, oh, you got this, you know, long, long list of every single thing that's going on with her and six to ten herbs that would deal with that. And it was like, oh, my gosh, by the time he was done, it was 70 herbs. And the next person said, yes, well, you know, I do that, but maybe not quite so many herbs, you know, because this one might affect the nervous system and the gastrointestinal tract. And so, we could get, so he got it down to like 50 herbs, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the next one said, yeah, well, I agree with you, and I'd use those, but I'd also add this and this and this. And so now it's back up to like 60 herbs. And it finally came to be my turn, and I looked at her and I said, all of the manifestations of disease that you're experiencing come from inflammation. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. And all I want you to do is to consume linden infusion, which to my mind is the world's best anti-inflammatory. Now, there was an herbalist on that panel who does pulse diagnosis. And so after the the panel was over he said to the one in the wheelchair could you please stay a minute and he said to me please stay a minute I really want to check something out because of course it was kind of alarming to people that I'm telling her to use one herb on these herbs. Mm-hmm. Herb you use a cartload of stuff and so what he did was he did a Chinese pulse diagnosis on her and then he wrote the word linden on a piece of paper because we didn't have any linden there there was no linden tree we didn't have any linden infusion. We didn't have any linden plant. We had nothing that was linden. So he wrote the word linden. He put it in her hand, asked her to close her hand around it, waited 30 seconds, and then did another pulse diagnosis and looked at me and said, you're right. Linden mm-hmm. completely normalizes everything in her body. I, I Yeah, I like linden. He used a piece of paper with the word on it. Yeah. And it changed her pulses. Wow. Yeah. Wow, right? I was, That's I was awesome. Very, I was very impressed by that. That's First really off, awesome. To do that, and, and secondly, that it would work that way. Did she take your advice? I have no idea. Never saw her oh. Um, at, For Linden, is it the same recommendation, a full court a day? I drink a quart of infusion a day. I don't drink multiple herbs a quart of each a day. Yeah, yeah, I meant. Yeah. Okay. Acid reflux is considered to be a symptom of lack of acid in the stomach. And yeah. dandelion before meals brings up acid in the stomach and will often relieve acid reflux. Let me, however, give you a recipe from Russia. Okay. You must have a piece of cabbage and a potato. Of course, it's from Russia. We need cabbage and potato. Mm -hmm. Grater. And best if you have a box grater that has, Mm -hmm. it's not holes, but it's like little punches that stick out. Mm-hmm. So fine grate, and so you're going to grate the potato on that side over a bowl, and you're going to have like kind of soppy, wet, grated potato, right? Mm-hmm. And then you rinse it off, and you grate the cabbage on that side of it over a bowl, and you're going to have like soppy, wet, really like, it's not even shredded, it's like just 
pulverized cabbage. And you can let those sit for a little bit until juice comes out of it. And then you take that juice, first the potato juice, and then the cabbage juice, a tablespoonful at a time, several times a day. The cabbage juice does not kill the H. pylori, which is required to have a healthy stomach. Without H. pylori, it is impossible to have a healthy digestive system. Hmm. So the potato soothes and protects the stomach while the cabbage gets the H. pylori to be a good citizen. Okay. So don't be afraid if I still have some H. pylori in there, basically. Pray that you still have some H. pylori. Yeah. Well, my acid reflux got worse after I did a treatment for H. pylori. So. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can I still take dandelion? Would it be counterproductive because I'm on acid suppressors? Or could I, will that still help? Hopefully, you'll call me back and let me know. <laughs> okay, I will. And, of course, the reason you have the rebound is because acid suppression is the wrong way to go. Oh, I agree, but I had ulcers in my throat, and I tried for a year to do it without it, uh-huh. and it wouldn't work. So, uh-huh. unfortunately, I had to save my throat. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and this time with the burning and the gallbladder, I really don't. I'm trying to do things to save it before it gets to that point. So that's why I'm calling you, and I would definitely yeah, try this cabbage and potato and linden. Yeah. And Good. That sounds like yeah. you're doing a whole host of wonderful things for yourself. Yeah, and embracing the darkness. I'll start meditating on the dark. Okay, great. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Thank Susan. Thank you, Polly. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Rebecca, how many people do we have? We still have eight callers with questions, so we're not going to get to everyone. If we don't get to your call, please call back again next week. And the next caller is coming from the 845 area code. Yay. Hello. Hi. Hi, Susan. Thank you for another beautiful Tuesday. You are welcome. Thanks for calling. I had all my questions answered already. And then I realized I have a very important question to ask you. So may I? Yes. I keep being told my whole entire life I have a very high iron count in my blood. And I sent this to a friend the other day, and she said, oh, my, my dad was diagnosed with hemochromatosis. And it's it's blood that doesn't release iron. And she said there's a genetic test for that. Do you know anything about this? I don't like to get tested. So is there any? My question is, if I have a high level of iron, how could I release that in my blood? I don't know anything specific about that test. But most genetic tests ask for a swab from the inside of your cheek. That's easy. It's pretty darn easy. It's not much of a test. Yeah. So, you know, if if your father had that problem, 
Um, and unless it's no, her, my my friend's father has a problem, and I was I was telling her about my problems, and she said you sound a lot like my dad, and I was like, is that right? And she said, yeah, go get this test. And the doctor keeps saying the only way that I know to get iron out of your blood is donate blood on a regular basis. You know what? Every time I I've been going to the doctor every month. And I think it's just because I feel better getting my blood drawn. And I've had this feeling my whole life that I feel better. But I don't like needles, but I found a really good place. They they, they, they do it really well. They use the smallest needle, and they do it right. And I don't get bruising, and it doesn't hurt me, and I always feel better. That's interesting. Yeah. Um most I, I women like tend to most women tend to be chronically low in iron. Oh. Yes, low in iron until after menopause. Yeah. At which mine case, has gotten even higher now. Exactly. After menopause, no longer losing that monthly blood. Aha. Uh-huh. So now the iron my, goes up, and we certainly know that elevated iron levels in the blood are connected to heart attacks. Oh, my, is that right? We think it is probably one of the main reasons that women have more heart attacks after menopause is because there's more iron in their blood. Oh, gee, and I imagine you would have, like, many strokes before the big one, right? Like the warning signs? Well, a heart attack is different from a stroke. Oh. I don't You're right. A heart attack is just when the heart any... stops, right? Yes. I don't know if there's any connection between stroke and elevated iron. But again, what I'm saying is not to have a blood draw, but to donate a quart of blood to a blood bank or a pint of blood or whatever it is. I would gladly, but there's one other thing I would like to talk about my blood. I ate some mushrooms in the woods. They're perfectly safe, but I ate a lot of them. I ate them raw, and I ate them off the wrong tree, a pine tree. And you never eat the um, those uh, chicken of the woods off the pine tree. So I went. Chicken of the, the woods ho- does not grow on pine trees. It can. No, it cannot. It's it definitely only grow on hardwood. Um, there's there's two or three varieties of, of, of this mushroom, and one can grow not only on the pine but on the eucalyptus, and it will kill you. If you eat it, it's like drinking rocket fuel. If you well, say anyway, so. I, I do say so. So anyway, fast forward, I went to the hospital, and they wanted to take out my appendix, and I said, no, it's the mushroom. Like, it's the mushroom expert. Well, they got the surgeon. He said, it's not your appendix. You should be in a lot of pain. And I'm like, I'm tripping my ass off. This is like an edible mushroom. I, it was blue juice. Anyway, fast forward, I asked the lady to do some blood work for a test after my research. And she asked me if I worked for the military. And I said, no. And why? And she said, because you can't get the test unless you work for the military. not authorized for civilians. I said, is that right? She said, I'll do I'll do another test similar. And she came back and she said, your red blood cells are morphine. They're changing shapes in ways I've never seen anything like it. I think it has to do something with the 
that experience and my current condition, although I never felt healthier afterwards, but all I want to do is bleed. I think you cracked the case. I call you like every other week, and I think I think we we're on to something. See if, if you, you can find see if you can find a blood bank nearby. I'm and, going to, and see how frequently you can donate blood. And I have, and they give you money, and I have the most popular blood. It's a win-win-win. There you go. Oh, I love you so much, Susan. Thank you. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. The next caller is coming from the 816 area code. Hello. Hello. Susan, hi. Yes. This is Holly. Can you hear me? I can. Not very well, but I can. Okay. Can you hear me better now? A little better, yes. I'm calling. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all that you are teaching and sharing. Um, when I was with you at the herbal conference, you said not to pick nettles when it had the little, the little white things coming out where the leaves come out. And um, I so I haven't been doing that, but I just want to know is. Why? I mean, I read something about maybe if you eat the older nettles, it interferes with your urinary tract. Is that right? And the, also, o- the only mentions in the literature of anyone ever getting into any problematic states with nettles are restricted to people who have eaten nettle in in one way or another when it has been in flour. And that's what you're talking about, those little white things are the nettle flowers. So I do not use nettle when it's in flour. There was one notable case of a couple who ate a lot of flowering nettle, and I think she was in her 60s or 70s, and they both got a full-body rash from their toes to their nose, and she started menstruating. So I think there's there's plenty of nettle to um, eat without picking the flowering nettle. And I just let it flower, and then I harvest the seeds, and I eat the nettle seeds. Nettle seed is a a standard herbal medicine. It's used a lot. And you can harvest them so so your whole garden does not turn into nettle. Or... Once it starts to flower, you can just cut it down to the ground, and then new shoots will grow up, which are not flowering. Oh, so that was my other question, is I can go ahead and um, eat the newer newer part. Oh, yes. Okay, great. And also, I what about the roots? What about the roots? What do we, what do, we do with the nettle roots? What do you want to do with the nettle root? I want to know if... Do you you have my green book, Healing Wise? Yes, I do, right here in front of me. There's a whole section section about nettle root in there, isn't there? Uh, 
It's just before the Nettle Pharmacy. The Nettle Pharmacy? Yes, it starts out with Nettle Speaks, and then Facts About Nettle, and then a Nettle Weed Walk. And then it says yes. nettle, leaves, nettle Leaves Are, and then it talks about Nettle Root. There's a whole section that talks about Nettle Root and uses of Nettle Root. Oh, okay. Did you find okay. it? No, but I'm trusting you. I'm... I can hear you flipping pages. <laughs> I am singing Nettle Leaf Stock Property Uses. Keep going. Leaf stalks, leaf stalks, leaf stalks, leaf stalks, leaves and hair, leaf stalks, seeds. Oh, there. Okay. And is it after the seeds? Is there nettle root? Yes, I found it. Good. Oh, I feel so. I feel so stupid. Okay, thank you. I'll look on that. Um, you also about echinacea. You said to pick the three-year plants for roots. Um, I said that it has there, at least three years old. It can be four so or five or there, six or seven. Like we have in our woods, we just have lots of Asia just everywhere. It's about like waist high or chest high. And not you, have etch, you, have etchin, you have Echinacea in a forest? Well, no, it's a woodland area. Yeah. Echinacea generally needs full sun. Well, we have some paths that we made, and it just grows all along the path. Got it. In the center location along the path, so it's not actually growing in the woodland. It's growing on the path. Not deep. No, not deep in the woods. No. It simply wouldn't grow there, and I'm wondering, what plant is is she confusing with echinacea? No, so you, I. And you planted the echinacea along these paths. Maybe we planted one or two ten years ago, but it just spread everywhere. Okay. And so um, now they grow really quickly, and I was trying to figure out how do I tell which of the three, you know, the older plants. Because they all are like in big clumps. So suppose so, suppose there were three people in the room with you, one who was twenty and one who was forty five and one who was seventy. How could you tell which was the oldest? <laughs> I just by their skin and their hair. And thus it is with the roots as well. So if I start digging and there's older great big things, long... Older things look older, don't they? Yeah. Age is a yeah, process so that we all experience, and as we age, there are physical changes that occur. Hair loses its color, skin becomes more wrinkled. When you dig up the roots, you will see immediately which ones are young and which ones are old, just as you could in that room with three people. Okay. Okay? And 
Okay, and one more thing we have, an abundance of chanterelle mushrooms. And we, I know to cook them and to eat them and to dry them, but um, is there anything else that you can tell me about the chanterelle? So you cook them and you dry them, and what's the other thing you do? Eat them. I just said eat them. Trying to fit it in with cooking and drying. After we cook chanterelles, we freeze them so that we have them available anytime we want them. Last year, somebody gave me pickled chanterelles, which was really good. She had just poured hot vinegar over the chanterelles and then sealed the jar. Does that give uh, extra nutrition if you pickle them? I don't necessarily count on mushrooms as a nutritious part of my diet. They are adding other things to my diet. Susan, our guest is here. All right. So, green blessing. Okay. And let Thank me you so introduce much. Christine Trujillo. She is an alchematrix who distills various lineages into her own phoenix house, especially the solar priestess lineage, sacred medicine work, and healing with herbs and foods, responding to the needs of current times, she emphasizes the importance of integration, embodiment, and impeccability. Hi. Am I reading the wrong thing? No. No, this is oh. totally correct. Yes. Christina Hi. Has, Christina has participated in ceremonies in many sacred sites around the world. In 2014, Christina began regularly serving and collaborating as a medicine woman before officially establishing her personal platform, Phoenix House, in 2016. Christina's ceremonial gatherings honor authentic relationship, cultivate sacredness, support the restructuring of the cellular and light body matrix, and reignite soul family connection. She teaches essential skills and inner navigation tools to help us all reconnect to our planet and embody our capacities as conscious, co-creative beings. Her lifetime experience in the culinary arts combined with her studies of Ayurveda, Chinese medicine, and folklore resulted in her individualized healing approach and holistic mentoring style. In her individual session work with people, Christina serves as an oracle, open and receptive to all aspects of consciousness and delivers what is transmitted to her. Welcome to the show, Christina. 
Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. This is an absolute pleasure to speak with you today. I hope your day has been pleasant and enjoyable for you. It has been very beautiful, and I was reading a little bit of your website yesterday, and I got inspired to make myself some uh, nettle tea, just brewing throughout, throughout the night with cold water. And I'm just drinking it here. It's a beautiful, dark, umber, dark color. And so thank you for the reminder. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that you're not taking me up on actually drinking nettle infusion. I'm sorry, so that again? Yeah, I don't drink nettle tea. I drink nettle infusion. And I'm sorry that you have not taken me up on actually making nettle infusion. It's the, infu- the infusion is... Uh, is it, did you refer to um, putting it in cold water throughout the night? No, you cannot use cold water for an infusion. Okay, because I didn't call. I, I saw that I wrote that uh, either you say that somewhere or I. Uh, there is no that way that I say. I say to rebrew comfrey in cold water, but I've never said anything about nettle in cold water. Oh, okay. Wow. Wonderful. Well, I am trying it. You need one ounce of dried nettle and one quart of boiling water. Right. What kind, of so scale, did you, what kind of scale did you have to use? Yeah, more or less the same, same, same scale. So you used a scale to weigh out an ounce of nettle? Yes. And I'm sorry, on, on, uh, it's like a cup. It was like no, a cup of nettle. and. No, absolutely not. It's not a volume measurement. It's a weight measurement. Mhm. So did you okay. actually use, did you use a scale to weigh it? No, I did not. Then you did not make an infusion. Okay. To make an infusion, you weigh out one ounce of stinging nettle. You put it in a quart jar, or weigh out 30 grams and put it in a liter jar. Same difference. And fill that jar to the top with boiling water. Water that is boiling in the pot. And you pour that boiling water in the jar. And then you tightly lid it. Put a tight lid on it and let it steep overnight. You got the overnight part perfectly. But you didn't get the one ounce or the boiling water part. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that what you made is pleasant, and it certainly wouldn't hurt you, but you, it's not nettle infusion. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for, thank you for the clarification. You are um, welcome. I'm eager to hear your report when you actually make a nettle infusion and uh, see how you like that. I know that okay. you work a lot with people who are dealing with trauma and nervous system dis- difficulties. Is that true? Yes, yes, that's correct. So can you tell us a little bit about, say, techniques or herbs or things that you find especially effective for people who have experienced various kinds of trauma and who are wanting to restore their nervous system? Uh, actually, it's interesting you asking that question because that's also the question I wanted to ask you, just to compare notes. Um, I can share some of, 
I work with some flower essences, and I work also with tinctures uh, and herbal remedies and food. So I, I combine different things with different. Uh, but in terms of tinctures, it it does the, what we wanted to talk about. I one of my favorite ones is Saint John Saint John's work. This is one of the ones such that I'm such finding. A, such a wonderful, wonderful herb for the nervous system. Yes, I, I, I really love, I adore this plant, and I, I make different. But every year, I make a, a tinctures out of it. Um, I love the color. I love the smell. I love the taste. I love the flower. I love everything about it. And, um, and I think that it, this is one of those plants that I will call like a double whammy. It's, it's not just for the nervous system. I mean, it really brightens your, your brain. It, like, inspires your thoughts is what I'm noticing for me. And, um, you know, when I generally like to recommend this, and I'll take it myself also when uh, I live in Oregon, in Eugene, Oregon. So when there is uh, many... Many days go by with with rain or gloomy or you know we don't see the sun for a long time. This is one of my absolutely top favorite that I feel really makes a difference in my in my system. So this is one of the ones that I'm I like to recommend and I like to work a lot with. Um, it's like it's like sunshine in a bottle. Yes, this is the very first time that I I came across to this medicine. The the woman that I bought it from told me exactly that. This is sunshine in the bottle. So I, that's what I call it too, sunshine in the bottle. Exactly. It, because it blooms right at summer solstice and it absorbs all of that strong daylight energy. And then beautiful. Yeah. So I like, I like so, when you say that, that it brightens your brain because I, I agree with you. That's very much, very, very much what it does. Yes, yeah, very inspiring. Like uh, it, it kind of breaks through the clouds, you know, and it keeps you. It, it makes you a little bit more inspired. Inspired. Um, that's that's something that I noticed that it, it combines with that. And I would like to ask you what uh, I mean. I, I work with other uh, different other uh, medicines. I'm also starting working with um, uh, what is it called? Um, Mm, let's see. C- mimosa. C- mimosa. Mimosa tree. Yes. So I have made a tincture with the flower, and mm-hmm. I have also made a tincture with the bark. Mm-hmm. And I have, and then I have combined both of them to, you know, test it out for myself. I, I generally like to test the medicines, obviously, first and see what that is, and then recommend them out. So this is another one that is is. Uh, fairly new. It's been a long time coming trying to, because you know the, the flowers I harvested at the, by the end of the summer and then the bark needs to be harvested in the winter time. So I had to make it in two different uh, stages. Um, um, I have not discussed this one long enough to know the results of it, but I have written quite a bit about it and it's also um, you know, it's sedative, uh, calming, good for the nervous system. I think they call it a happy tree. I see Chinese people call it a happy tree. What a lovely um, name for it. Yes, and it's, a, it's an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous flower. I absolutely love, love this tree. Everything about it is elegant and it's beautiful. 
Um, so this this is a, another one that I'm, I'm starting working with um, that I actually would like to even combine later on, maybe with St. John's too. So I would like to ask you, if that's okay, can I ask you what uh, what um, are your top favorite um, herbs for to specifically for the restoration, restore the nervous system, not necessarily just to calm you down when you have a higher or hyper day, but more on the restoration side. Like let's say somebody has a nervous system going too high for too long. What would you recommend for this? Well, the primary thing that I would ask the person to start out with is to rotate through the five nourishing herbal infusions buying a scale, weighing out one ounce of herb at a time, and making a quart of infusion, and rotating through those five nourishing herbal infusions, each of which has its own special offering to give to the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Straw, of course, is well known as being a nervous restorer, and I have seen it really help people who have a what I would call a very overactive nervous system. That they're jumpy, they're jittery, they're having a hard time. And this can, you know, of course, be a consequence of trauma. Even It's even a symptom of post-traumatic stress, that kind of jumpy, jittery, hyper-alert thing. And right. Such a loving, warm embrace there. But red clover is well noted for being a restorative to the nervous system. And if you've ever mm-hmm. looked at red clover roots, they really look like a nervous system. Oh, okay. In, in, I never used so, that. Somebody, somebody for his doctorate actually in the plains dug up a red clover plant with the root system and yes. measured all the roots of a single red clover plant. And there was more than enough root to go all the way around the planet at the equator. Wow, what? Amazing. Yes, red clover has an ex- extensive root system of fine hair-like roots that go through the soil, as I said, looking very much like the nervous system. That is, in fact, actually one of its prime indications is to restore the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Stinging nettle with its enormous supply of minerals of course, is going to restore good nerve functioning because the nervous system requires minerals for good functioning. Mm-hmm. Comfrey leaf builds strength mm-hmm. and flexibility into all connective tissues. I don't yes. think it's too much of a stretch to think of the nervous system as a connective tissue. Right. It's not fascia or ligaments or tendons, but it connects us, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So I think yes. of comfort as building that kind of resilience into the nervous system that's especially needed when there's been trauma, when scary, terrible things have happened that mm-hmm. can really be there for that. And, of course, I've left one of the best for last, last which is Linden. And Which is Lin- what? Linden, Tilia, Tiel, mm. Lime Blossom, Basswood, Linden, right? Tilia Americana. 
Antilia linden infusion is um, used around the world to calm fretful babies. Mm. And that's what mm. we want. We want to calm down the fretful baby of our nervous system, huh? Right. Absolutely. So those are your all your top favorites? Those five nourishing herbal infusions would be the place that I would have someone with this start. I would also ask them to eat at least half a cup of very well-cooked greens at least four to five times a week. A very cooked, uh, half cup of very cooked greens? Very well-cooked greens. So, for instance, that could be kale or collard yes. or yes. mustard greens or turnip greens or spinach or garlic mustard greens, what dandelion greens, whatever green you have. But it should be cooked for a minimum of one hour. Oh, okay. So obviously Otherwise, you're not going to get the minerals from it, and so it's not going to be any, have any effect on the nervous system. So when you cook the greens for one hour. Minerals can't be cooked out of a plant. They can only be liberated so that we can use them. And the longer you cook any green, the more minerals you liberate. Okay. So some people will say that what about the minerals are already, you know, overkill or something like that. I hear this a lot from people, you know, when they say they they overcook their, their greens. You cannot, overcook, are, you cannot overcook a green. Okay. This has been a dispute with a lot of people, actually. In I fact, say, I, most I, of the time, I cook my kale or my collards for three hours. And so... And, and so now, let me tell you, you that I do, not, I do not subscribe to the swimming pool... Um, school of cooking vegetables. I subscribe to the one-inch school of cooking vegetables. So when I'm cooking that kale for three hours, it starts with one inch of water. And by the time I'm done, there's hardly a drop of water left. Mm-hmm. If you put your kale in a bathtub full of water and boil it and then toss the water, well, yeah, you just cook the minerals into the water and you threw the water away. But that's not what I'm suggesting, is it? Okay, so to put your greens, you cut them, put them in the pot with a with an ounce of water. You say, sorry, with, what is the amount? I said, well, I said an inch of water in the pan. Okay, about one inch, one to one and a half inches, depending on how much green I have, and of course I watch it during the cooking period to make sure that it doesn't burn and add water if need be. I am okay. bringing it to boil and then turn the fire down. By now, the greens have, like, wilted down into the pot. And then I adjust my fire so that it simmers a little, right, still mm-hmm. at an active cooking temperature. But mm-hmm. then it's not furiously boiling to boil the water away. Okay. And so you're saying that these these greens are... All the minerals are in this green still, is what you're saying? I'm saying that unless you cook them for an hour, the minerals are in the greens and not in your body. And if you cook them for an hour, then the minerals have been freed up enough that you can get them in your body. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Greens okay. that are just well, briefly cooked uh, do not have the minerals accessible to our bodies. Okay. The more traumatized okay. a person is, the more I like to see them eat well-cooked food. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Wonderful. Now I I have what, another what question. Is, what is the what is the most? Uh, uh, I, first, let me say that this is Susan Weed talking to Christina Trujillo, and you can find mm-hmm. her at Phoenix House. Is there somewhere else that people could get in touch with you? Um. I have uh, my my email address. I don't know if you have that with you. Would you like I to share know. it with the listeners? Um, or a website or some way that listeners might get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing in Phoenix House. Okay. Well, I guess my personal email will do. It's symbiosis6 at gmail.com. Wonderful. And so people can just write you an email and say, Christina, I'm really interested in what you're doing, and um, I would like to work with you or whatever else they want you, they would like to ask you, yes? Sure. Sure. Uh, Do I have it wrong? Do you not do private sessions with people? uh, I do. I do. And when you do private sessions, you um, endeavor to be receptive to whatever messages are coming into your consciousness. I will do, I work with different people in different ways. So, this, so it depends this on will the individual very... person. Depends on the individual person. Exactly. Uh, exactly what you would choose to do, whether it be herbs or a homeopathic remedy or perhaps a, a trance or other things you do? Yes. I do also drumming and tuning forks. There is many different way, uh, things that I work with people, many different ways, depending right. on where they are at or what they need. And the best way for anyone who would like to work with you to get in touch is to email you. How wonderful. Do you have an herb that's particularly interesting or important to you right now? Right now, I just actually, interesting enough that you're saying that, is I just um, starting a tincture of uh, milk diesel. Milk sizzle is what has been coming up lately for me, and I've been preparing the seeds. I had some seeds, and a friend of mine gave me a little while back. He was telling me that they are very good grounded. It's very good for the liver. So if you ground it and powder them and take them that way, that it will be good for 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 me. But I, 
wanted to try a tincture, and so I just made a. I start ground grinding the seeds a little bit today, and um, just starting the tincture. So this is the one that I'm going to be working for a little while here. And I I have missed what the plant is. Uh, milk thistle, milk thistle. Oh, milk thistle. Got it. Got it. It was yes. just my just my difficulty in understanding what you said. So you got yes. milk thistle seeds, and you have ground them up, and you're going to make a tincture from the ground seeds. Yes, that's correct. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm sure and that you know that all thistle seeds are created equal. They are all created equal. What did you mean with that? I mean that you can use any thistle seed. It doesn't have to be milk thistle. Okay. Wonderful. And I, I the, think the reason that milk thistle is the one that's usually cited is it's an enormous plant. The leaves can be two or three feet long. Yes. And so it's a huge head, right, like an artichoke yes. with a lot yes. of feet. Yes. So it's easier to harvest. It doesn't have to be milk thistle seed. Any thistle seed would work. Okay, wonderful. That's wonderful. Also, I'm thinking I was reading somewhere today or yesterday that milk thistle is not a natural plant. It's not a, um, if I understand correctly, that it's, that it's, I think I was reading that somewhere that it was not a natural plant, which was really weird. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how a plant could be unnatural. I know. I, I'm thinking that what they really meant with that is that maybe it's in a hybrid plant instead of natural plant. Is what I'm thinking because that was an interesting uh, piece of information I came across with today. So, in general, hybrid, in general, hybridized plants do not produce seeds, and if they do, those seeds cannot grow plants, so far as I know. Milk thistle both mm-hmm. produces seeds, and you can grow milk thistle from those seeds. Yeah, exactly. That's what. That's what I'm not sure why that. I was. Yeah, I was feeling really confused with that information today. All right, thank you for that. And actually, I grow up with them, and they they are very abundant in southern Spain. Um, and and also, it's a very old plant, isn't isn't this true? Like it's yes. very old plant. Yes, very old plant. So, you know, again, I, I one of the things that I ask my students to do is never to go on the Internet to look up things about herbs. Mm-hmm. Because the Internet, as far as I'm concerned, is the world's worst information source when it comes to herbs. A lot of what right. you find on the Internet is really going to be fear-based and um, yeah. gossip passed along. Yes. Now, I yeah. will admit that I will sometimes search on the Internet, but I believe that I have a strong enough filter to be able to tell where that information is coming from. And we kind of started out the, the whole session um, this evening with somebody talking about a book by a wonderful herbalist, John Lust, who was very nervous about herbs, and it's clear in his book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, we have to understand, you know, who we are getting the information from. I have had such right. a wonderful time talking to you, Christine, uh, and I could keep on talking to you, but this show is going to end, golly gee, in two minutes. So I'm going to give you the last minute. What would you like to leave in the hearts and minds 
of all the people listening? Uh, well, I would like to say that a new earth, uh, um, it's, it's upon us that there is a lot of beautiful, that medicine, like you're saying, is herbal, is, the me, this is people medicine, that the best and, and most um, integrative way to heal is, in my opinion, food and earth and uh, putting the feet in the ground. Um, you know, and that um, um, yeah, that anything is possible. Christina, that it. is beautiful. Thank you so much. It has been such a delight and a pleasure to have you on the show with us this evening. Thank you so much for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients, the threads that you are adding to this cloak glimmer and glow and make this cloak stronger and far more beautiful. Blessed be. Thank you so much. And thank you Blessed be. Thank you so much. For working with the Rebecca and I and so many other people to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Herbal medicine is the medicine that grows right outside your door. And as you say, herbal medicine, it's people's medicine, the medicine of the people the medicine by the people, and the medicine for the people. Thank you so much. Green blessings to you, Christina. Green blessings to you, Rebecca. Green blessings to you, Justine. Love you, Monica Jean. And green blessings to everybody listening. Good night. Goodbye, Susan. Thank Thank you, you everyone. Good night. Thank you.